The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Today we are going to talk about love affair. Love affair. Does anybody know the meaning of love affair? Huh? Amen. Love affair. We're going to start it by looking at Isaiah 54, which says, Your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And thy redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, shall he be called. Amen. Will it not be a strange thing if somebody is introducing your husband to you? Huh? Someone just comes to you and says, this is your husband. You know, you will wonder what is going on. Amen? So God is saying your maker is your husband. God does not speak in vain. He's saying it because it is not naturally known. We do not know by nature that our relationship with God is one that is um, based on and built upon and comprises of love and that it should be a love affair. Well, we'll be saying so many different things about the same thing. And thank God now that... Um, we're on YouTube, and you can get the messages on YouTube, because it might just be nice for you to get the first, the second worship experience, um, because we will be saying different things about the same thing, amen, different things about the same thing. It's a bit important to me that we cover a good spectrum of the matters relating to this. So, so I might not repeat some of the things that I said in the second worship experience. Um, the first person we are going to look at is Moses. And this we did not take earlier. What were the major concerns and prayer points of Moses? You know, Moses spent a long time with God. Let me say something about that before I go on. Um, it is not advisable that anybody marries somebody that you cannot discuss with. Do you understand? You will have to have enough in common to be able to engage each other fruitfully, to be able to retain others attention you know 
it is very fashionable and it has often been preached that you should pray before you marry. Yes? Before you choose your spouse. You pray, right? It's very good. There are also some things that um, you don't need to pray about. Um, when I was wife hunting, a friend of mine said that, oh, there's this lady, mm, you will just love her. You people just work together. She's your kind of person, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So he arranged this, uh, 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 he contrived this uh, session and, uh, um, you know, I knew in advance what was happening and so we met at his house and he conveniently had to quickly rush somewhere, uh, leaving uh, two affairs. And then uh, we went on this stroll. Believe you me, there was not one subject matter I raised on earth that she could discuss. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> so I prayed, Abby, and said, God, is this my wife? No, I didn't pray at all. No, I did not pray at all. You understand? Mm -hmm. Amen. Some things can be discerned in the flesh. Mm -hmm. Some things you need to go to the spirit before you can discern it. Amen. So in the same way, it is important that you have substance in the presence of God. You must be able to engage with God in the quiet place. It's extremely essential. So it's from this perspective that I want us to look at Moses. Exodus 33 from verse 13. Because you will say, he's spending so much time, so much time with God. What are they doing? What are they talking about? What is going on? Now, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. The man's prayer, Lord, show me your way that I may know you so that I may find grace in thy sight. One of the most discouraging things in the world, you have a spouse or you have a lover who is totally oblivious of whether you are happy or you are not happy, and you have a problem. You understand? Without words, you must know, is this person okay now? Is this person happy? What is this person looking for? What does he need? What does she need? 
Even when the person is not happy and is trying to hide it, if you love the person, you'll pick it. You'll pick it. You'll pick it. And that's the way it has to be between you and God. There's something you've done. There's something you said. There's something you... And God is not happy with it. You should pick it. You should pick it. That is the nature of a love affair. You should know. Many relationships, many marriages are stressed because one person is impervious to the feelings of the other. Is undiscerning. So you keep hurting the person. And instead of backing down and correcting it, you hurt more. Because you don't know that person enough. You don't know the person's ways. The heart's desire of that person. That person's cravings. Then your love is not perfect. Work. Do you understand that? You need to work on it. It's a duty. Get to know your person. Not only your spouse, the people around you. Don't brutalize them. You know what one person is sensitive to doesn't even mean anything to the other person. You understand? doesn't even mean anything to another person. Yorubas are accused of being overly sensitive. I had a daughter that uh, had a fiancé and uh, she was kind of toying with him and playing with his hair. Playing with his hair. After that, the guy took her out and said, no matter what you do, don't do that in the presence of my family members. To her, it was endearing. But the man said, my family members will think that you are the one controlling me. Don't even try it. Don't. If you and I are alone, no problem. Don't try it. And the guy did I do anything wrong? I was playing with his hair. I said, you didn't do anything wrong, but follow what he says. Because in our own culture, that's not a problem. It's not a problem. Watch God. Do you understand? Hmm? Learn God's ways. Hmm? Learn the lines that God has drawn for you. There are things that God will take from another person and he will not take it from you. Do you understand? Do you understand? You have to get, you have to feel his pulse. He won't take it from you. Go and look at all the things that Aaron did. Aaron did so many things. God looked at, just looked at him. Mm -hmm. He would do terrible things. Mm -hmm. Moses did one thing. God said, Laye, I will not take it from you. <laughs> I will not take it from you. Don't compare yourself to anybody. Is that clear? Because before God, 
we are different. We are all individuals. He sets different standards to us. So in the presence of God, he said, show me your way that I may know you. Many times, I go to God and you will think I'm praying. But what I'm saying is that, Lord, what is your opinion on this matter? What do you say about it? What do you think about it? What should I do about it? What should I do about it? Because of that, everybody in the world can be going to the right and you can see me turn to the left. Because the right may be okay for them, but between me and God, he says, this is the direction. So I follow that direction. Finish. Amen? Amen. So, because many people, huh? you know what they think prayer is? Ashama, kama, kama, kama. Kama, kama, kama. Hatilo, humachime. Oh, God. Hey, and, uh, and then, um, all the enemies, let them fall down. Die. Really? Can you just say in the presence of God and drink into him, please? Drink into him. Show me your way that I may know you. That I may find grace in your sight. Now go to Exodus 33, now from verse 18. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And God said, I will make my goodness pass before you. I will proclaim my name, the name of the Lord before you. Okay? You cannot see my face. Why was God saying that? Because he knew that that is what the guy was looking for. Lord, I want to see more of you. I want to feel and know more of you. I mean, I'm just seeing, I'm seeing glory pass. I'm seeing light pass. I want to see more. Okay? God said, no. Sorry, you can't see my face because no man can see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me. You shall stand upon a rock. It shall come to pass. When my glory passes by, that I will put you in a cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away my hand and thou shalt see my back pass. But my face shall not be seen. In other words, God was saying, I can see what you are looking for. I will give you the maximum possible. <laughs> Amen. That's what God was saying. He said, I will give you the maximum possible. I myself will put you in that cleft of the rock. I will use my own hand to cover you. I will pass right next to you. And then you can look. You can see my back pass. 
my face you will not see for your own protection. Listen. He that seeketh findeth. Amen. He that seeketh findeth. Many times our work with God is circumscribed, eh? is diminished, is constrained, limited, because we do not desire deeply enough. We are not seeking with all our heart. We are not searching deeply. We are at the peripheries. We are superficial. We are at the shallow end. That's of our own making. That is not God's making. Because it says that if you seek me, you will find me if you will seek me with what? All your heart. Amen. So, this was spiritual intimacy. It was born out of a hunger from Moses. Is that clear? Many of us admire the results of a divine pouring unto our lives and unto people's lives, but we do not seek as much as is required to get it out. You understand what I'm saying? Amen. Now, it's very interesting. There's a particular... What we will look at now, I'll ask you a question immediately about it. Hmm? Go to Job 1, and you will see six, verses 6 to 7. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. Who are the people that came to present themselves before the Lord? Who? The sons of God. And who was among them? Who was among them? And the Lord said unto Satan, Where are you coming from? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. Now you know what happened after that. And then Job 2, 1 to 2, Again there was another day, and the same thing happened. So I want to ask you a question. All of you know what Satan did. And you know how Satan was punished. If you were God, would Satan have access to you to walk into your presence when the sons of God are presenting themselves to you? Would he? What would you do if he heard that he was coming? Huh? You will get powerful angels to block the place and wipe his face. Say, how dare you? How dare you? 
That is Satan, no. But then your own spouse just annoys you. Well, I do. You won't talk for the next one week. In some cases, you will even pack out of the room and go to another room. In the cases of some foolish people, they pack out of the house and go to their parents. True or false? True or false? Amen? And in some cases, and you really believe that you are right, unless he apologizes for this. I'm telling you, unless he apologizes. But Abba, Satan is presenting himself in the presence of God. And God is asking, where are you coming from? And Satan is answering. Your spouse annoys you. Uh, what will you eat? Ah! Better. Ah. Ah. So, I know it's difficult, but please, keep the channel of communication permanently open. I beg you. I beg you. Keep it open. And keep it open. You will not be able to reconcile if you are not talking. If you are not talking to each other. Eh? It's not everything that we do that we feel like doing. You know? eh? Soon we will have another God will do it again service. Are you going to feel like fasting? Eh? Are you going to feel like fasting? No, you won't feel like fasting. But you will fast because that is the season. Hmm? Keep it at the back of your mind. That God allows Satan into his presence up till now. And still gives him in instructions and boundaries. Okay, 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 okay. You can touch everything that he has, but you must not touch him. Then the next one. Oh, you believe that it's just because I'm still protecting him? Okay. You can touch him directly, but you must not kill him. The interchange is still there. It is a large part of the nature of God. We must continue to grow in the nature of God. When you are seething and you are annoyed and all that, let the nature of God keep a room open for dialogue. Amen? So, We will watch Jonah now. Hmm? Um, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I missed my chapter here, but it's towards the end of Jonah, maybe the last chapter. Hmm? Verse 1. I'm reading from New Living Translation. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah. 
God's change of plans greatly upset Jonah and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say this before I left home? That you would do this, Lord? Hmm? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you're a merciful and compassionate God. Slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Oh yeah, just kill me now. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. You know what the man was angry about? Eh? You have made me a liar. And you are the one that sent me. You are not being decent. And you are not being fair to me. What did you send me to say? Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be no more. It's now past 40 days and Nineveh is still there. What have you done to me? You're very unfair. Did he have the right to be annoyed? Somebody said no. Did this man have the right to be annoyed? My bros, did he have the right to be annoyed? You said no. I think he does. I think he does. But not enough to want to kill himself. You know, because, listen, let's get the perspective. The Old Testament says that if a person makes a prophecy in the name of the Lord and it does not come to pass, eh? then God has not sent him. Don't be afraid of that guy. He's not a genuine prophet. If what he says does not come to pass, he's not a genuine prophet. But that is what God just did to Jonah. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be no more. And 40 days, Nineveh was still there. So he said, okay, sure you've made me a liar now. Complete it. Kill me. A jaw. Amen? But what I want you to know is this. Jonah was running away because he knew that the loving mercy of God was more than his annoyance. He knew that all they had to do, repent and God would say, mm, oh yeah, stop it. <laughs> Leave him now. Uh -uh. Amen. It was not just that he was afraid to deliver the message. It was that he knew that God has love and mercy and easily turns. But you, when they beg you, I, I still don't have your time, oh. I still don't have your time. Because you've done it before, that's the way you beg. And uh, you've done it again. You think I'm a fool, Abby? <laughs> and you are still boiling. And you are not forgiving. Then you will say, I've forgiven you all, but you will see. <laughs> bet, bet. Whether, hey, hey, I've forgiven you, but I will show you. Is that the way you do it? Eh? <laughs> Amen. You can trust God's love. 
But if you think you can take him for granted, I'm sorry for you. <laughs> I am sorry for you. Moses did not enter the promised land. God doesn't love him any less. Amen. Ezekiel 33, 11. God is not interested in the death of sinners. Say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked may turn from the wickedness of his way and live, okay, turn from your evil ways. Amen? You should know how God feels about you, and you should be able to walk in that and it will help you to trust him more. Many times, the word trust is more appropriate than the word faith for our circumstances. We lose full sight of how God feels about us and how reliable his love is. God has intense compassion. It is the nature of God. When you see a person not operating in compassion, check. That person does not go know God well enough. Look at Mark 1, 40-41. And there came a leper to Jesus, begging him, kneeling down, saying unto him, if you want to, you can make me clean. And Jesus moved with passion, put forth his hand and touched him and said unto him, I will be thou clean. One key thing there you will find in Galatians 5.6 which says, Faith worketh by love. Faith worked by love. I have noticed many people that have a head knowledge of the Bible. They are trying to apply faith. But they do not have love for the people that they are ministering to. So they begin to strive in their flesh. They begin to strive in their flesh. They begin to quote scriptures. They begin to break their head. Nothing happens because faith worketh by love. Love is the fuel on which faith burns. Do you understand? You can have the, the best gas cooker in the world. If there is no gas, that thing can cook nothing. <laughs> Amen. If there's no gas, it will not, that burner will not cook anything. Faith worked by love. The more you grow in love, the more the capacity of your faith to get results. Amen. Many times, the more you grow in love for God, and the Lord more you grow in love for your fellow men, the more miracles, all those other things, blessings, will drop towards you. Because there's a natural attraction between love 
and the workings of faith. Is that clear? Because faith works by the power of God. And love is the nature of God. Amen? You can be praying for your spouse. You can be praying for your friends or your enemies. That prayer may not get much result because you are not doing it in love. You're just doing it as a routine, as a duty. You are doing it to feel spiritual, that you are playing your own part. Eh? You have a massive problem in your home, and you say you are praying. I'm praying for him. I'm praying for her. But the love is missing. It will not work. Amen. It won't work. Work on the love first. Amen. If you work on the love first, the love itself will begin to break down barriers. Amen. Because love has power. Do you understand? Love has power in it. Okay? And next we will look at David. You know, we're looking at men in their relationship of love with God and with man. That's the context in which we are looking at these things. Okay? And I want us to be familiar with the examples and to learn from those examples. You see, David's first in instinct when he's in distress is to revert to God, is to turn to God. And this is rooted in intimacy. Look at 1 Samuel 36. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, because the raiders had come to carry away their wives and their children while they were out, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Amen. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God because to him that is home. That is home base. David cherished being in the presence of God. Look at what he says in Psalm 1611. You will show me the path of life. And in thy presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. You know, for many of us, when we are talking of prayer and entering the presence of God, it's like, ah, man, mighty spiritual work. Ah, well, uh, the Bible says, pray always, Abri. Pray in season and out of season. Okay, oh, let me pray, oh. Oh, Lord. Watch me carefully. If you notice, you will see that I'm praying now. <laughs> that means I'm obeying your commandment to pray. Oh, yeah. Oh, Lord. And to you, it is pain and work and tedium and suffering. Mm. Then your relationship with God is not right. Do you understand? If you love somebody, one of the first things is 
you will want the person to be with you. You will want to be with the person. It's automatic. It's natural. You know it now. You just want to see the person. Do you have that hunger for the presence of God? Is the presence of God sweet to you? Are you looking forward to it? Do you miss God? Do you miss the closet? Do you miss the presence of God? If you don't, you are not in the right spirit of love towards God. And you can change it. You can... Because sometimes it is what we know that we are working in. Do you understand? You are to have a direct love affair between you and God. You have to take some time to be absolutely away with him. There should be a daily period of that. There should be periodic hibernations. You and God alone. Just go and enjoy yourself in his presence. Now, your love for God affects how you relate to men. You see, the reason David did not kill Saul was that Saul was the Lord's anointed. So, he's dealing with that thing from the point of God. This is my beloved God's anointed. He's looking at him with the eyes of God. Do you understand? You should see people as your father's creation, your father's creature. This is someone for whom Christ died. You have to treasure that person. You have to be very careful with that person. You have to respect that person because of God. You have to sometimes deny yourself for that person because of God. Do you understand? David had a very clear vision. Who was who? He saw the soldiers of Israel. He said, these are the armies of the living God. But they didn't see themselves like that. This is because the man had spent time in the presence of God and he knew how God sees those people. Amen? You must know how God sees you. How God sees the things around you. You must know the reaction of God to any matter. David was the one that wrote the psalm, Touch not my anointed. Okay? First Samuel 26, 9 and 11. David's group versus Saul's group. David said to Abishai, Destroy him not, for who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? Who can do that? He's the Lord's anointed. He's the Lord's anointed. Be careful. 
He belongs to somebody else. He belongs to God. Give. There's a Yoruba proverb. Amberu alaja. That means that we are giving reverence and fear to the owner of the dog. The dog thinks it is him that we are afraid for. You understand? There's a way you should not talk to people. You are totally daft. You are you are, you are very stupid. Idiot. Oh, really? Really? No, no, it's in our flesh. I'm not preaching at you. I'm also talking to myself. Eh? <laughs> About a few days ago, somebody just drove one very strange thing on, and I said, Am I what you're I'll be wearing a lock on any. That is, look at this fool. Is, is, is this guy mad? You understand? I had said it and I now said, ah. <laughs> a man made by my own father <laughs> in his own image. <laughs> I, 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 I backed down and now went down I, I, because he was ready to quarrel. I said, God bless you. God bless you. <laughs> I, I wasn't doing it because of him. I was doing it because of God. Amen? You know God gave you this wife. You know God gave you this husband. You know. You are not doubting it. Oh. Then by the time you use your mouth to finish that person, in other words, you are abusing God, oh. You are accusing God of incompetence. Did you hear me? Yes. You are accusing God of incompetence. Sometimes you need positive confession. Mm. Ah, you are the anointed of the Lord. You are blessed from head to toe. Any imperfection in you, the Lord himself will sort it out. It is... You continue to bless that person and the power especially if he's driven by love, we begin to change the things in the spirit. Amen? You understand? Yes. You will have whatsoever you say. Yes. Uh, be careful what you say. Be careful what you even say in your heart. Even in your heart. Because the person will begin to become what you say. Amen. Glory be to God. So, First Chronicles 16. You see, there was a guy that killed Saul. Second Samuel 1.14, David said, How were you not afraid to destroy the Lord's anointed? See, how were you not afraid? to destroy the Lord's anointed. Listen, it was not about Paul, about King Saul. It was about the Lord that anointed him. Do you understand? Eh? <laughs> uh, I, I saw something that somebody wrote 
abusing somebody here. And I just said, Lord, have mercy. Somebody can talk like this to your own child. I began to pray. I was afraid, though. Be careful, though. <laughs> Amen. Be careful of God's people. Psalm 105.15, he suffered no, da- no man to do them wrong. Yes, he reproved kings for their sakes, saying, touch not my anointed, and do my prophets no harm. Amen. Now, when you're thinking of God, you are ready to sacrifice. Like you see, David, look at what led to the temple being built. Why did David want to build the temple? Second Samuel 7. Then the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in an house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. Huh? That is his love for God. God did not send him. In fact, God said, oh, you will not build it because uh, your hand is full of blood, but I will raise your son to build it. Amen? If you really love God, you will seek out what to do for God. And what to do for God, you can find out in the presence of God. Because if you are doing something that God is not interested in, you may be wasting your time. But the important thing is that in a love affair, you want to give. You want to do. Now, I want to watch, I want you to watch one thing between God and David. Because I want you to know that the fact that God loves you does not mean that he will not discipline you. First Chronicles 21, from verse 9. I want you to pay attention now. And the Lord spake to God, David's seer, the prophet, saying, Go and tell David, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I offer you three things. Choose one of them. Okay? Either three years famine, or three months to be destroyed before your enemies, the sword of your enemies, will overtake you. Or else three days, the sword of the Lord, even pestilence in the land, and the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the coasts of Israel. Now therefore, advise thyself what word I will bring again to him that sent me. And David said unto God, I am in a great strait. Let me fall now into the hand of the Lord, for very great are his mercies. But let me not fall into the hand of man. That's verse 13. Okay? Verse 14. So the Lord sent pestilence upon Israel, and there fell of Israel 70,000 men. And God sent an angel unto Jerusalem to destroy it. And as he was destroying, the Lord beheld, and he repented him of the evil, and said to the angel that destroyed, It is enough! Stop! Now watch David's heart. Verse 17. David said unto God, Is it not I that commanded the people to be counted 
Because the sin was the census that he did. God did not want him to do that census. But in his heart, he wanted to know how big his kingdom was. How many people there were there. And it was not God. Let me tell you. What is not ordinarily wrong may be wrong for you. Because you are an individual in the presence of God. There's nothing wrong with a census. There's nothing wrong with a census. Anything God says don't do is wrong for you if you do it. Amen. Don't count yourself along with other people. You will never be other people. You will always remain yourself. The sin for which God killed 70,000 was that David took a census. That's all. He took a census. Amen? So be careful. Be extremely careful. What you do, what you get into. Okay? David said, let your hand, I pray thee, O Lord my God, be on me and on my father's house, but not on your people that they should be plagued. Watch. Not on whose people? Whose people? God's people. Not on God's people. He was offering, spare these people, finish me, kill me, destroy me, do anything to my family, but please leave these people alone, your people. That is a heart of a shepherd. It is the heart of love. Amen? Many of us never do that. Amen? So, you know, what I want us to see is this. That God himself is love. Love comes from God and God is love. They, they said, I am my beloved and he is mine. His banner over me is love. He took me to the banqueting table. His banner over me is love. The first thing in our walk with God is not that we want to make heaven. Because let's get one thing right. I am in Christ. I have already passed from death to life. If I remain as I am, count it, I'm in heaven. <laughs> the gates of hell cannot prevail against me. I cannot at this level, and at this stage, be breaking my head over making heaven. As many as received him, gave you what? Power! Do you know what power is? Power is an overpowering force to achieve the objective. I have power to become 
a son of God. Beyond that, what does my father want? What does he need? Do I see his face? Am I walking with him? Am I pleasing him? Am I reflecting him to the world? Is he able to love the world through me? Because we are the ambassadors for Christ. We are God's battlefields. Is he able to love the world through me? Is he able to provide for people through me? Many of the times you think you don't have, you are deceiving yourself. I have commanded a widow to feed you, God told the prophet Elijah. The widow was not a person that had. The widow was a person that did not have. But out of what she did not have, because of her perception of God, because she was able to connect to God, she was able to, you know, Jesus said, I can of my own self do nothing. But that which I see my father do, that's what I do. Do you understand? Do you understand? That widow did not have food and thought she and her son were going to die. But her miracle, her release, her sufficiency was bound up in releasing all she had to the man of God. Do you understand? Do you understand? Don't think because you don't have, God will understand and he will expect you not to give. Amen. You can be the one through whom God will solve the crushing needs of your neighbor that you think has more than you. Do you understand? You can be the one. Watch God closely. Does he want to take everything that is in your hand? Release it. Because if you don't, your miracle of multiplication will not happen. Do you understand? See God. Keep seeing God. Keep watching. Focus on him. Be watching him. Just keep watching. Hear him. Watch him. Do what he says. Amen. Amen. Now, if there's anyone here that wants to start that walk of faith with God, that walk of love, that superb service of God, a totally new walk, a totally new walk as the bride of Christ. Please raise up your hand where you are quickly. Raise up your hand where you are quickly. You want to give your life to Christ and begin your own journey. Your own journey of faith. Raise up your hand where you are. Amen. 
Amen. Now let's all rise on our feet as we pray. And as we pray, you're going to talk to God in your heart. I'm not the one praying now. You are the one praying now. You're going to talk to God in your heart. That Father, teach me to have a love affair with you. Begin to pray it for yourself. Okay? Teach me to have a love affair for you, with you. Open my eyes to the beauty and the pleasures that are in your presence. Teach me to walk in your presence. Reveal your glory to me. Pour your essence into me. Pour your substance into me. Make me an outshoot of your love. Say, Lord, I yield myself to you. Love the world through me. Love your people through me. Say, Lord, even where I don't have, make me a resource and a source of supply of your grace and love and miracles and provision to others. Say, Lord, let me not be as the barren fig tree. Let there be fruit on me in the day that you seek it. Lord, that thing that Moses did to stand in your presence and crave you, crave the knowledge of you, Lord, put it in me. Make me a fruitful hearer. Teach me to build on what you have taught me today. And so, Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. The Lord be with you.